Hey, up. You all right? My name's Dave, son of Jesse. Tell you what, I'm right grand. They didn't call me after me dad. Now, what bloke wants to be called Jesse? Well, they've asked me to come this morning to tell you how to kill a giant. Somebody obviously saw it, MECV, when I applied for the job as king. I've got seven brothers, and they're all in the army. But I were up on the hills looking after sheep, because I'm only a little lad then. It was way back when I was a kid. So, well, I must tell you this. You know, I, I, I did once kill a giant. I also killed a lion with my bear hands. And I killed a bear. I'm not lying. <laughs> so, there were a big fight with Philistines, and all my brothers had gone off to the army. But we're herding out. So my dad said, tell you what, Dave, because that's what he called me, Dave. Because that's my name. He said, Dave, will you, will you go and see how your brothers are getting on and bring some news back from war and, and take some food? I said, all right, Dad. Because that's what I called him. Because he was my dad. Anyway, off I went. <clears throat> and I, when I got there, they were not happening. Would you believe it? All these army and not happening. I said to my brothers, what's going on here? And they said, Nout. <clears throat> I said, I can see that. But why is Nout going on? I suppose he's fighting, aren't you? What's the matter with you? They said, well, there's this big bloke. He's called Goliath. And he's challenged us to a fight. So why don't you take him on? They said he's massive. <laughs> he can't be that big. And then out he came. He was huge. He was enormous. You know what? He was bigger than Philinton. Couldn't you believe that? And he was fiercer than Philinton. Can you believe that? And he was ugly. Maybe that's going too far. Anyway, he came out. And there he was, come and have a go, if you think you're hard enough. <clears throat> and I looked at my brothers, I said, come on then. No, I'm not taking him on. He murdered us. Oh, you big softies, I said. I'll take him on. You can't, you're just a kid. But nobody would, so I went to the king and said, look, I'll take him on. And the king said, you, you're just a lad. I said, yeah, I know, but I've got God on my side. He'll make a difference. So the king said, well, if you're going to go, you better put my armour on. But that was too big for me. I was only a lad. But I've got this. And I've got God. Oh, that'll do me. So this big guy came out again. I tell you what. Big, massive bloke, dead ugly. Not Phil Linton, Goliath. And he shouted again. Come and have a go if you think you're hard enough. And I said, I'll have a go. I'm hard enough. Because I was just a lad then. And my voice hadn't broke proper. And he looked at me and he nearly laughed his head off. I said, that'll come later. <laughs> and, and, and I went down to Brook and I picked up five little stones. I thought I might only use one. I've still got four of them in here. Because... Uh, I sort of kept them as souvenirs, you know, so, you know. Because you never know when you're going to need them, do you? Oh, I kept, keep these handy just in case I come across any more giants. Not in here somewhere. <laughs> right. So I'm just going to have a little try. <laughs> uh, for health and safety, folks, these are special marshmallow stones, all right. 
Right, I need a target. Greg, open your gob. Uh, oh, that's not big enough. Steve. Oh, that's better. Already. And, I, and what I did was I, I, I took him, and, and there he was, a big, big bloke, and I went, Way! And I hit him right in the middle of the head. And he stood there, wobbled a bit, and then slowly he fell down like a, uh, well, like a giant was being hit on the head with a stone. <laughs> and that was it. All I needed was faith in God. And with faith in God, you can kill any giant you come across. All right, silly. Thank you, Trevor, for telling us the story that's similar to a Bible story. <laughs> and welcome to our summer worship this morning, How to Kill a Giant. But we have some special uh, artists in the house today who've been painting us pictures over the last few weeks. We have Terry West, who painted this picture here. Ruth Hawkes' family painted the picture of the lion over there. And this morning, this giant of a picture, Andy Basin. Come on down. Come on, tell us uh, what inspired that particular painting. Well, I was asked to. <laughs> but that, that is fun. It's, uh, it's really nice to be asked and to give some thought to how you might represent it. It had to be big. Goliath there is standing about nine foot tall, and thanks to the fridge-freezer cardboard packing that Maxwell's give you quite willingly to paint big pictures. On this one, Goliath is based on a picture of Iron Man that I saw in America, and I didn't want it to be too fierce or too scary for some of our younger members of the church. As I was painting it, it makes you think about the sadness of war, the sadness of two sides coming together, but the need for good to overcome evil and bad. These guys have been goading David and his brothers for 40 days. They've been really giving some sledging, the sort of stuff that happens in the cricket matches. And I just wanted to make sure that there was a significant difference between the size of the giant and the size of David because as we meet problems in life and challenges, sometimes you can feel small and alone. If we ask God for help, with God's strength, he will come through for us. Thanks very much, Andy. Whilst they're gathering, I couldn't resist the song. Only a boy called David, only a rippling brook. Who knows it? Only a boy called David, five little stones he took. And one little stone went in the sling, and the sling went round and round. One little stone went in the sling, and the sling went round and round. Round and round and round and round and round and round and round. One little stone went up, 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 and the giant came tumbling down. Woo! That kind of puts the age. If you're over about 55, you'll know that one. If you're under 55, you probably... Oh, sorry about that. Some people under 55 know it. There was a young boy on a TV program once asked, 
what lesson did he learn from the story of David and Goliath? Uh, he answered the question with one word, duck. <laughs> so why is this story so popular? And I wonder if it's because uh, we love the underdog, don't we? Um, I, I looked at some psychological surveys. It says that if there is no other affiliation in the sporting event, 70% of the people will support the underdog. I don't know what it is. David was clearly the underdog here. And, you know, we love it when a football team comes from nowhere, don't we? That's kind of in the, the whatever the bottom leagues are. Whatever we call them. What do you call the bottom league? Conference, the Conference League, comes out from the Conference. Thank you. Well, I didn't know Helen Myers knew so much about football. And a team like that rises and challenges an Arsenal or a, or a Chelsea or whatever, and they win. Kind of, we're always on the side of the underdog. There's something about maybe justice, or maybe we can associate more with the underdog. Maybe it's more exciting when something that's unexpected happens. So our question this morning is how to kill a giant. And although this was a real event that took place about a thousand years BC, the principles that apply from this story are very relevant today. So what are our giants in our lives and how do they grow to this size? They're usually problems or challenges that we face in life that grow and grow and grow and suddenly from nowhere we find what was a little issue has become a giant. It may be a family situation, it may be a relationship situation, it may be our health, it may be our finance, our careers, our jobs, our children. And they start out small, and then they get to a point where they, like the Israel army, they stop us in our tracks. They kind of debilitate us. We just can't move one way or the other. And they start then to affect and dilute and draw from our faith in God. What happened in Israel is that they were debilitated. They just didn't know what to do. Every time Goliath came out, they scurried to the hills. And this went on and on and on. And you, you kind of expect that if, if it hadn't been that David had stepped up, the 40 days would have been 60 days, would have been 80 days. And eventually something would have happened. The problems that turn into giants cause us to look inward and, and depend upon our own resources and abilities. This sometimes even causes us to doubt God. I imagine people in Israel were doubting God. They were saying, well, we've got this Philistine army here. Where, where is God? Because we've, we kind of can't move. But actually, the answer was, was staring them in the face. And sometimes that can be our problem as well. We start to doubt God's ability to sort these things out for us when, in fact, he's ready just to do that. Sometimes we have to kill our giants regularly, not just once. Because although the physical situation that we have that causes this giant may remain, the effect it has on us is removed once we are able to slay the giant. So we may still have that health situation. We may still have that financial problem. But it no longer has a hold over us. It no longer takes us captive. We can rely upon God to take us through that situation. And so when we face our giants, we have to be prepared to go into battle on a regular basis. I'll give you an example of that. Paul said, and this is in 2 Corinthians 12, he asked the Lord three times to take away his giant. <laughs> that Paul calls it a thorn in the flesh. We don't know what that was, but it was a giant to him. It obviously becomes something that was stopping him from moving forward. And the Lord said, well, I'm not going to take it away. He says, this is the way you slay this giant. My grace is sufficient for you my strength is made perfect in weakness. The thorn in the flesh remained, but the ability to overcome the effect of that 
had happened and his giant was slain. So at the end of that chapter, he's able to say, when I am weak, then I am strong. He kind of overcome that. And that's kind of the message from this passage today. The giant wasn't Paul's thorn in the flesh. The giant was his attitude to it and the way that it had debilitated him. So the background of this passage is it was about 1020 BC, give or take a few years. David was a teenager. He was probably in his late teens. If you look in the previous chapter of 1 Samuel 17, where we read the story, chapter 16, David is anointed by Samuel to be the coming king. It was going to actually take place years from then, but he was anointed at that time. And I think there's a clue in the way in which David was able to slay this giant was the Bible says that when he was anointed, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. The Spirit of the Lord didn't just come upon David. The Bible says it came upon David in power. And at that very time, the Spirit of the Lord came off Saul, who was currently the king. And maybe that's a clue. When we really press into God and allow the Spirit of God to come upon our lives in power, then there isn't a giant that's too big for us to slay with God's power. So these two armies, one's on one hill, Philistine army, they were sworn enemies. Israel was on another, and they were, in the middle was this valley where Goliath would come out and parade himself twice a day, day after day. The Philistine army was much larger than Israel. They could have gone in at any time, and from a natural point of view, military point of view, they could have wiped them out. They were larger in number, they were larger in experience, military prowess, equipment, they were much larger. And apparently, it's common practice in those days that, that what would happen in between two competing armies is that they would send out one of their top warriors to see what could be done to sort of soften the enemy up and to intimidate them before the battle started. So here we are in this tense situation. It's an impasse that's been reached. So I want to bring four simple lessons from this passage this morning. The first one, size doesn't matter. And this is all about perspective. You see, Goliath was over nine feet tall. Apparently, the Bible says his armor was 57 kilograms. In old money, that's a lot of pounds. 2.2 pounds per kilogram, if I remember rightly. So you can work that out for yourself. It tells us all sort of statistics about Goliath's equipment, right down to the fact that the tip of his spear weighed seven kilos, which is what, 14, 16 pounds over a stone? That was just the tip of his spear. So he was an intimidating man. He had an armor bearer. And, and I guess when you looked at him, from a natural point of view, he was just so intimidating. And the soldiers on Israel's side, they'd been beaten. They, they were completely beaten already. They'd been intimidated. As Goliath comes out, he comes out and he taunts Israel. Your God's rubbish. Come on, show us that your God's real. Show us this is a strong God. And of course, they scurried away in fear. This had become not a military battle between two forces. It had become a spiritual battle between an enemy that was wanting to diss God and Israel who were wanting to stand up for their God, but actually they'd lost their bottle completely. Physical size mattered to Saul. Physical size mattered to the soldiers and the army of Israel. But physical size didn't matter to David. And it's all about perspective. You see, the Israelites were looking at themselves against a man that was nine foot plus tall, that was equipped for fighting. 
and they saw in themselves against this man, their perspective was, we can't possibly win. When David came out, his perspective was completely different because I am here as a young boy, maybe only five foot six, but I've got the God of the universe, the God of Israel on my side. So my perspective changes completely. Actually, he's beaten before I start because there is no one and nothing that's bigger than me and God. Someone once said that with God on your side, you're always in the majority. You only need one. Whatever the other side is, you're always in the majority. And so God and David together was much bigger than Goliath. So how do we look at our giants? Are we already defeated? Do we find ourselves in a debilitated position? This morning, the passage would say, lift your eyes. David wrote somewhere else. I lift my eyes to the hills. Whence cometh my help? My help cometh from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Size doesn't matter. The size of your problem today, whatever giant it is, is not too big for God to attend to. And if we had time, we could look at how Jesus faced some giants when he was here upon earth. The giant of death, when in John chapter 11, he goes and finds that Lazarus is dead. And how he deals with that giant. How Jesus in Luke 4, when he was just being baptized and was anointed by the Holy Spirit and full of the Holy Spirit and led by the Holy Spirit into the desert, faces some huge giant temptations as a a young rabbi of 30 years of age and how he dealt with them. Sometimes our giants are physical situations that lead to doubt, fear, insecurity, rejection, failure, inadequacy. And sometimes they come even as we're serving God like they did with Jesus. But this morning, I want you to take heart that whatever size your giant is, it is smaller than you and God together. That's the first point this morning. The second one from this passage is take a stand and face the giant. When Goliath called David to come forward, he didn't go just tentatively. The Bible says he ran towards Goliath. David had been prepared for this moment all his life, which wasn't very long. He'd been prepared because when he faced the bear and the lion and other adversaries when he was tending the sheep, he had proved God in those situations. And the reason why he had such courage was he had proved God. And I wonder this morning, when we face our giants, when we face these difficult situations, I would encourage you to look back in your life and find times when you were able to deal with situations with God that you thought, I'm not sure a way forward. And then you find suddenly a door opens that you hadn't expected. And you say, well, thank you, Lord. That's you in this situation. You see, what that does is it encourages us to think, well, God can deal with that situation. He can deal with that one. David didn't know until this time that he was going to be facing such a huge giant. But the small, well, they weren't actually small, but the the, the lesser giants that he had to face when tending the sheep were preparing him for that. And that's what he said. He says in this passage, if you read it in 1 Samuel 17, the Lord's done this for me in the past. Is he going to let me down? Of course he's not going to let me down. And this morning... As I look upon you, I know that many of you have issues in your life that could be giants. I don't know the detail, but I know some of you have got those giants. Be encouraged this morning. God who has dealt with issues for you in your life before and seen you through is the same God, the same powerful God that will deal with this current giant that you have or maybe much larger. 
And also what David found is that what God had helped him with in private, when no one else was looking on the hillside with the bear and the lion, he was now going to put him in a public arena. Because quite often when we deal with situations, other people take a stare from us. They watch us. Here, David at 18 or 19, 17 years of age, was standing. The whole of Israel was going to take a stare from this. If he'd failed in this, that would have been them done. The Philistines would have come after them and they would have killed them. And Israel would have found itself in, in a corner once again. So David, as a young man, was, was not just standing alone. He was acting on behalf of a nation. Sometimes the battles that we have to deal with are not just personal battles, but they affect many of our friends and those in our fellowship that are around about us. We don't just work on our own, but we're representing our fellow believers as well. Take a stand. Don't run away. David here wasn't actually so much bothered about his own reputation. What motivated him to do this was that Goliath was coming out and rubbishing God. And David's love for God, David's respect for God was such that he, he wasn't going to let this man, this uncircumcised Philistine, as he calls him, uh, rubbish his God. And he was going to take him on. It wasn't about personal pride. It was about God's reputation. And David stood alone. Sometimes we have to stand alone, don't we, in dealing with our battles. He was standing alone despite everybody else going, not sure about this. Saul had his doubts, said he couldn't do it. Israel were quivering in fear. His brothers were standing making snide digs saying, what on earth are you doing here? You shouldn't be here. Go away, boy. Here was a man who took a stand and he faced the giant. Because if we don't face him, he'll just grow bigger. <laughs> What's the third lesson we learned from this passage? Use what God has given you. As David started out, Saul said, right, well, if you're going to go, at least put some decent armor on. So here's my armor. Here's my sword. And David tried them all on. And in verse 39, he says this, I cannot use these because I am not used to them. We can't work, walk in other people's shoes. We can't wear other people's clothes. We can't work in the anointing or the gifting that other people have. What David did was he took what he was used to, what he'd proven to work elsewhere, and he put them into God's hands for his empowerment. So he took three things. He took a staff. He took some stones, five stones, and he took a sling. And as I was thinking about this, I was just thinking he took a staff. It's interesting, the Bible says he took a staff. And in Psalm 23, David says this, as he walks through the valley of the shadow of death, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I wonder if he, when he wrote that in Psalm 23, he was thinking about this particular event. The staff of God comforted him. He took what he had. God has given us gifts. He's given us abilities to use. Use what God has given you. Don't put it like a talent in the ground. Use it and deploy it. And the last point that I can learn from this passage is let the Lord fight for you. David shouted this as he went into battle. The battle is the Lord's and everyone heard that. The battle is the Lord's. He'd nailed his colors to the mast. He had decided he's going to win before he started. And I just want to read verse 47. This is what the Bible says in verse 47. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. What a testimony. What a statement of faith. I'm going to take this ground, and this ground is the Lord's. And maybe that's the kind of attitude 
we have. Not that we should be kind of big and bold ourselves, but give the Lord a bit of space in your giant situation and he will fight for you. You remember the words of the Lord to Zerubbabel in Zechariah 4? Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Let the Lord do the fighting. This was a spiritual battle, and you need spiritual weapons. The stones, the sling, the staff were actually just mere accessories. The real battle was won as the Lord took on those who were diminishing and questioning the power of God. So this morning, hand your giants over to the Lord and see his power at work. That's how to kill a giant. Remember, size doesn't matter. Take a stand and face the giant. Use what God's already given you and let the Lord do the fighting. Lord, we just thank you this morning for your word. And we pray today that in the situations that we face, the giants that we face in our lives, today we might just make that decision to let you do the fighting for us. Give ourselves over to you. Reckon in our hearts and our minds that whatever our situation is, with you on our side, we are the greater. And Lord, help us to face our giants with you working on our behalf. Lord, we thank you for this powerful story. We pray that you'll minister it to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. A whiz through First Samuel 17. Lord, we bring our prayers to you this morning as we, as we continue to pray too for our community, that we would raise a standard just as David did in this community through what we do and what we say and how we act, that the name of Jesus would be recognized as the name above all names, the name that brings salvation, healing and deliverance, the name through which our giants can be slain. Perhaps it would be good if we could say the Lord's Prayer together this morning. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.